0: Welcome back to another episode of the European Student Think Tank podcast. My name is Angeliki,
1: And this is Florenta. Today, we are joined by Victoria Bergström, a member of the podcast team, to talk about the current status of the Arctic and EU-Arctic relations. Happy to have you with us in this role, Victoria. Hello. So tell us a bit more about yourself and about this topic.
2: Sure. My name is Victoria, and I study the Master's in Global Education at Providence College, and I recently graduated from the University of Groningen with a Master's in International Relations with a specification in Geopolitics and Connectivity. I do a few things outside of my studies, and I'm a proud member of the EST podcast. Well, first, the Arctic is not simply an area filled with polar bears. In fact, only Greenland, the Norwegian territory, Asvalbard, and Russia have native polar bears. Rather, it's a complex area that faces many challenges. Many Arctic languages, cultures, and people are threatened by stereotypes that put their survival and livelihoods at risk. Then, the power balances of changing regional geopolitics are becoming further complicated because of the effects of climate change, such as melting ice. Its position is also complicated. The Arctic and political geography is split between North America, Asia, and Europe. The European Arctic is divided between several territories, and European Arctic countries include the likes of Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, and Russia. These countries formed the Arctic Council in 1996, alongside the US and Canada, to discuss indigenous issues and other areas of concern. Nevertheless, The Arctic is of increasing importance for the European Union and the world in terms of climate change, mineral extraction, and military control.
0: That sounds really interesting and fascinating. So, to start off, could you explain more about the history and implication of the colonialism in the Arctic? And who are the native groups that are involved? What causes divisions?
2: That's an important and complex aspect. Unfortunately, the colonization of the Arctic is not discussed in most common school curricula of Arctic countries. A bleak reality is that colonization has led to the fracturing of Arctic identities. Some Arctic individuals feel that various organizations and initiatives tie them closer to shared Arctic identities, while some individuals claim a sense of disenfranchisement. Reasons attributed to this include a claimed over exaggeration of origins, a semi ethno nationalist approach to advocacy, and the fear of the loss of job prospects that are not related to tourism. This was a major goal of Arctic colonialism to divide societies to the extent that fracturing was encouraged and ultimately these societies could disappear. In northern Finno Scandinavia, many countries colonized Sakme, or what Samis call their homeland. Colonialism in Sapme has led to several Sami languages being considered as threatened or endangered, even to the extent that at least one is considered extinct. Then there's irreversible mineral extraction. This is to the extent that the Swedish town of Kiruna in Sapme is collapsing. Swedish government-run media claims that the relocation of Kiruna 3.2 kilometers eastwards is an admirable challenge. Yet this is a tragedy. The Arctic its people, and groups, are not malleable. There are divisions where some Arctic groups are creating stronger connections to a pan-European identity, while some keep closer connections with their Arctic neighbors. This varies on an individual basis. However, Samis are working closely with the EU and various international organizations. Greenlanders have a balance between being European through their colonizer, Denmark, versus building Arctic connections with North American Inuits. This representation of national minorities is imperative to recognizing harm and trauma caused by colonialism. Plus, there are groups like Karelians on the Finno-Russian border, just south of the Arctic Circle, who face similar problems, such as representation and dying languages.
1: When the Arctic comes to mind, the term North Pole is usually associated with it, and sometimes paired up with Christmas traditions or images of people living in igloos and kissing with their noses. But what is the public representation of Arctic culture and indigenous people? And how does the wrong image that maybe the white public has endangers their culture and their recognition at an international level?
2: There are many representations of Arctic people. It ranges from the pleasant and respectful to those of negative, disrespectful stereotypes. One of the most contentious topics in the Arctic is representation for that matter. Although Disney's Frozen movies include some Sama aspects, this does not include all-encompassing struggles. Stereotypes are often seen by calling Arctic groups racialized slurs and the continuation of baseless claims related to livelihoods. This extends to costumes that contribute to cultural appropriation, which reinforces stereotypes leading to the further oppression of Arctic societies. This is seen in the media, especially in the film industry. Many films produced after World War II negatively portrayed and even orientalized Samis, which the International Same Film Institute claims. These portrayals include confining Same livelihoods to just reindeer herding, depictions of seemingly uneducated and wild nomadic people, among other derogatory representations. This was continually perpetuated for well over half a century, and these stereotypes continue today. However, these simplified representations can lead to genocidal intent and cultural genocide, as this intent aims to diminish the uniqueness and complexities of Arctic cultures. One of the largest aspects of cultural genocide is the purpose to destroy cultures, while possibly leaving little recognition from a majority population. Regularly, indigenous issues and cultures face these issues, which extend into further discrimination from majority populations, such as dehumanization and common discourse.
0: Wow, the more you know about the Arctic! now. A few of the European Union member states, namely Denmark, Sweden and Finland, belong in the Arctic. Hence, it is of great importance for the EU geopolitically. Have there been any substantial cooperative initiatives so far? And what are they mainly focused on?
2: Well, in short, it's not enough, although steps are being taken. One issue is that the EU is still not an observer to the Arctic Council due to animosity with Canada over trade. Despite this status, the EU has started several initiatives to increase ties with Arctic groups. One of these includes the commencement of an eu Sami think tank, which aims to connect Brussels with northern Sweden, Finland, and Norway. So far, multiple initiatives have been put in place, such as courses and traineeships. In 2022, there is a plan for a pilot SAME EU week to take place in Brussels. This week plans to include art, culture, and political dialogue, planned by Samis, to discuss ongoing challenges. These initial steps from the EU start the prospect of further collaboration and advocacy for Arctic cultures and rights. This is a major start to Arctic commitment and addressing issues that have created contention within EU-Arctic relations. It is luckily not a symbolic notion of diplomacy, as the EU has furthered Arctic-based initiatives. One of these initiatives is the EU announcing the opening of an office in Greenland for the European Commission. The reasoning behind this announcement is to increase economic initiatives and trade with Greenland. This cooperation could further expand into research, environmental protection, and cultural collaboration, yet further plans have yet to be announced. Considering that Greenland left the former European community in the 1980s, there are shifts back and forth considering Greenland's new diplomatic ties to Beijing and fluctuating relations with the EU. This signals two signs, a changing shift in Arctic geopolitics and another notion of coloniality through military exercises.
1: Indeed, it is widely claimed that the EU Arctic cooperation operates mainly on a military basis. However, what threats do you think the excessive focus on military exercises conceals?
2: This is not new in any case. The Finnish military typically trains in Finnish Sápmi due to the rugged conditions second to Siberia. Countries and entities like NATO use the Arctic and its indigenous land to show their strength against powers like Russia. Viewing the Arctic as an area for military exercises and operations detracts from the perspective of Arctic groups and livelihoods. Instead, this shows power struggles between militaries or which one has the most power and who can claim and dominate the Arctic, similar to colonial times. Recently, Norway and Russia agreed to new parameters around agreements for maritime security as military actions in the Arctic are increasingly going towards maritime means. With this agreement, Putin declared the construction of new warships, This action shows that military powers are increasing their capabilities, not just for security reasons, more so in case of a possible escalation. Earlier this year, a Russian political scientist said that as the Arctic loses its ice cover, a new era for the region approaches. Once of military domination and experimentation, the Arctic is an environmental and geopolitical hotspot. As Moscow is the current chair of the Arctic Council until 2023, these colonial-based activities must be stopped to ensure a new era of Arctic cooperation and collaboration around socio-environmental ideas.
0: It is important to focus on threatening dimension outside of military control. Considering climate change and melting ice, there must be major concerns regarding the environmental issues in the Arctic. What kind of threats are being imposed on the Arctic identity from scientific activities focused on climate change?
2: Well, there are several threats aside from military exercises. Climate change is one of the most visible threats. Furthermore, the environment is an important aspect for many Arctic groups. Unfortunately, the implementation of major nature-disrupting projects such as the Alta Dam in northern Norway, continues to exploit indigenous land. Other projects include potentially harmful science experiments, such as Harvard's proposed geoengineering project called the Skopak Solar Experiment. It aims to block the sun to cool the earth potentially, in Swedish sapme. Although the scientists behind the project say that there are no significant downsides, it is harmful on many levels, as this gives scientists worldwide the signal that they can freely test on indigenous land, as their inhabitants have no political power. This is simply not true, as indigenous land is not free for experiments without indigenous voices. This is not the colonial era, or at least this is how it should be. In September 2021, the Scopex team stated that they were looking for individuals from marginalized backgrounds to join their advisory committee. What an ironic statement, considering their contradictory activities and plans. Nevertheless, there is no Arctic person, such as a SAME, on their advisory committee as of December 2021. Over 35 indigenous groups have signed the letter written by the Same Council to Harvard. However, many organizations and scientists view indigenous arctic groups as barriers to their research. Although the Arctic ecosystem is one of the most fragile in the world and many indigenous groups seek to protect this precious environment. Unfortunately, the experiment looks like it will take place in 2022. The petition is still open. For any power to gain more legitimacy, a major move would be publicly condemning this experiment and preventing further collaboration. Overall, these bleak activities through threatening languages, livelihoods, and the environment signify that the Arctic is an area to be controlled and colonized.
1: On another note, you mentioned earlier about the EU's presence in the Arctic. As we identified some of the current threats, and after addressing the role and the relationship with the EU, what do you think will happen in the near future?
2: Certainly, EU-Arctic relations have a bright future if the EU actively engages in Arctic affairs and relations in a positive manner. However, this must start with national efforts. After years of parliamentary deliberations in Sweden and Finland, truth commissions were finally formed recently to investigate possible abuses against Samis in each country. The results will likely be published in a few years. These commissions are a starting point to Arctic groups gaining power and establishing more vital voices. Similar efforts, such as the Greenland Committee probe in Denmark, will bring further visibility and light to colonial abuses against Arctic people. Visibility is the goal for many Arctic groups, so that societies can learn from past mistakes and further European integration can become more vibrant. Decolonialism, or the unraveling of colonialism's binds, is an important goal. Significant decolonial efforts are in Sápme and Greenland by appreciating Arctic cultures and societies. This will grow as more efforts are made to reclaim colonized areas. Lastly, artists like Sofia Janok from Swedish Sápme are active in raising all indigenous voices by saying, we are still here. This empowerment of voices through culture Language and politics and society will bring a new era to the Arctic, where indigenous voices and power become a key role within Arctic geopolitics.
0: Victoria, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: This is all for today's episode. If you want to see more of our content, check out the EST website.
0: Yes, thank you for listening. To let us know about something you would like to hear on this podcast, drop us an email at podcast at Have a happy holidays and see you next year.